This is the Consilience Podcast with your host, Shannon Beer, health and confidence coach and founder of The Coaching Collective, helping dedicated fitness professionals to bring their coaching visions to life by developing the knowledge, skills and strategies to make that a reality. We're inviting you into conversations with experts on body image, compassion and behaviour change to help us challenge our assumptions about health and appearances and critically examine the way that we coach so we can help our clients on a deeper level and create an industry that is truly life enhancing. Let's get into the show. Today I am joined by Vanessa Kolbeck, who is a master's student at the Body Image and Health and Research Lab, which is a research group studying body, self and mental health at the Western University in Toronto. And her research interests include body image, psychoeducational practices and programming focused on female adolescent involvement in sports and physical activity. She's also interested in emotional regulation processes such as self-compassion and mindfulness to promote a positive and uplifting environment with hopes to improve physical activity adherence through girls' lifespan and greater appreciation for being compassionate and mindful towards the self. Now, Vanessa, before we get into our discussion today, I really wanted to start off by asking you, why do you do the work that you do? Well, first, thank you for that introduction. Super excited to have our chat today. Kind of a long story. I had always been involved in sports and loved moving my body. I played a variety of sports, um, but then unfortunately suffered a lot of injuries, so had to had to stop there. And I did see a lot going on um, at different levels of, of sport. And then kind of leaving the sports world, I started my undergrad in kinesiology and I just saw, you know, different ways in in thinking of sport and physical activity that I never thought of. And I had to learn different ways to move my body after going through injuries. And then I took a body image course and that just opened my eyes to so much. And it was just sort of taking taking a step back from what was actually happening and seeing that, okay, maybe what was normalized in the sports world, it shouldn't be that way and it doesn't have to be that way. So then I started to get involved in research through my my last few years of undergrad and then that ultimately led me to the Body Image and Health Research Lab where I was able to be a part of different initiatives and I've really found that I want to be a part of the preventative side, so working with younger girls um, and, and hopefully making a difference there. It's so great to hear about your background. So I find that when people do discover sort of what body image is and how it impacts how we show up in our lives, it seems to put together a lot of things. It just seems to make sense to a lot of people. And as you say, you're very sort of surprised by some of the practices that are commonly endorsed that probably aren't very helpful at all. And your eyes are opened to alternative ways of doing things it sounds like you're very passionate about seeing those changes take place given what we know so i thought it would be good to begin our discussion with talking about some of the differences between levels of physical activity between boys and girls because according to some research findings it seems that girls may be more physically inactive than boys and i wondered if you could shed some light on that and why that might be the case. Yeah, I'd love to. So most of the research that I focus on is in Canada, um, but it does seem to be like broadly transferable. 
Um, so we do see that one in three girls are disengaging at the adolescent age range and boys are one in 10. So girls are disengaging at a higher rate. And there are a lot of different factors like environment, sociocultural, you know, parents, friends, uh, different influences there. But it does really seem to be that body image is a huge factor here. Girls, when they're going through puberty, they're seeing developmental changes that are not aligning with this like thin ideal that is really emphasized in the media here in Western society. Um, and that seems to just play a huge influence in the way that they see themselves, um, you know, those social comparisons through different sports, physical activities, even just in day to day life that they notice. Um, and also even physical education, we see that in the transition of grade nine to grade 10, 50 percent of girls are remaining involved after they complete their credits. So once they have the option to engage in physical education, 50% of girls are choosing not to. And, you know, physical education is a very important school-related physical activity that builds on motor skills and health promotion and provides this protective factor as kids are going through elementary school and they have physical activity every day in gym class, but girls are not reaping those benefits that physical activity bring when they are dropping out and disengaging. So uh, we do see that body image does play a huge role there. Yeah, it's such a shame when we think about all of the health benefits to physical activity to see that young girls are choosing to disengage, particularly if it's down to concerns such as concerns around their body image. So what kind of impact can that have? What determines or distinguishes somebody who chooses to opt in versus choosing to opt out? What might be some of the other factors at play? Yeah, well, right now there's mixed research. Um, It's still a, a topic that is increasingly being more looked at but we have seen even girls in sport like potentially competitive elite sport they may have even higher pressures towards conforming their body to certain standards in sport so although you know sport and physical activity is a protective factor there are also cases where girls who are involved in sport may may experience um these pressures like more often than a girl who is going in her day-to-day and not involved in in sport and physical activity. But media exposure is just huge here. And I guess what is out there is just these girls are starting to view themselves as objects. And especially in the sports world and even in physical activity every day, um, they're really viewing themselves as objects and taking themselves out of their own body, which is manifesting into this self-surveillance, which can lead to eating disorders, higher anxiety, depression, a decrease in body appreciation, and even lower levels of self-compassion here. So there really is a lot at play. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is young girls who have been exposed to idealized bodies through um, the media and as well other pressures like you've alluded to tend to internalize that ideal and then feel a certain way about their bodies and it's interesting because you would maybe hypothesize that young girls would be more incentivized to engage in exercise to attain those ideals, you know, in in order to to lose weight or to sculpt their body. But actually what we're finding in some cases is that it leads young girls to disengage. And why might that be the case? What role does sort of self-conscious emotions have to play in that? 
Yeah, so we see that girls tend to kind of close up and, you know, it has this double-edged sword type of thing where then girls don't want to put themselves in the environment where they initially felt judged or where they initially felt shamed um, or even, you know, felt sort of this internalized, you know, weight stigma. Um, and so we see that it becomes more of like an avoidant coping strategy that these girls are going through and body image coping. I actually focused on some of that in my thesis, which was um, examining the feasibility, acceptability, and effectiveness of a self-compassion workshop in a physical education setting to try and buffer the effects of body-related distress that girls are going through. And so we saw that avoidant coping was more prevalent um, than other coping strategies for girls, which, you know, kind of aligns with why we're seeing that girls are disengaging from these environments because they're avoiding, you know, trying to feel these or bring back these negative emotions and these self-conscious emotions that they feel and and are internalizing while participating in sport or physical activity by any means. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. So these young girls desire to look a certain way and perhaps the physical activity environment really heightens that disconnect between what they want to look like and how they currently perceive themselves and as you say that can cause um, some shame and the way that these young girls may be coping with that feeling is by avoiding the environment altogether because if I'm not there then you know I'm not exposing myself to potentially feeling the way that I don't want to feel and it really is upsetting when we think about it that way because as you say Although physical activity can be a protective factor, it's also a risky environment for a lot of people in that it heightens our attention to how we look, you know, or how our body feels as well and making sense of those interpretations. So, for example, something that um, came to mind, I've worked with clients in the past who don't like the feeling of getting hot and sweaty because it makes them feel like they're fat. You know, so it's the way that we interpret our bodily sensations as well and the associations that we make between those things and what they mean. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about this intervention that you mentioned about bringing self-compassion to these physical activity environments. Could you tell us a little bit more about your research? Yes. Well, first, self-compassion. It was one of those constructs that I felt like I was trying to learn these practices after sport and to be more compassionate as I was trying to move my body in different ways as I could no longer do high intensity I had to move to low impact but I never really heard exactly what self-compassion was until I got in our lab and it's just this beautiful construct that involves you know being kind um, being mindful and having common humanity. So being able to recognize that other people are going through or maybe going through similar similar emotions and that we're not alone and sort of taking this perspective that we can treat ourselves as we would a friend, but that's not so much embedded, you know, in our in our society to look inwards and to to be more mindful and compassionate towards different experiences every day. So I was kind of took this approach of, okay, I've done some work in the sport space, um, helping develop body image programs for athletes in Canada. But then I started to think, how can I 
you know, work on the more preventative side. And it was really that physical education that came in where I was like, okay, girls, every girl has to go through phys ed class. So how can I sort of intervene here? And then we saw that the transition from grade nine to grade 10, there was that 50% dropout um, once you know, it wasn't mandatory for girls to take. So I was able to get involved with three different high school um, female classes. And I ran a self-compassion workshop and we went through various exercises that targeted specific body related distressing experiences that the girls were going through in phys ed class. And it did end up becoming more broad. Some of them recalled, you know, younger years in phys ed classes, some, you know, whether it was comments that teachers or peers were making, or it was just their own body shame towards themselves in comparison to to other girls in class, but it was really beautiful. We had a focus group um, the following day after the workshop and the girls really were able to come out of their shell and speak about their experiences and how self-compassion they wish they learned at a younger age. And that's what we do see is it does need to happen at an earlier developmental stage before these girls are noticing these changes so they can cultivate this coping strategy and you know make it sort of an, an everyday response to these distressing experiences that they might face aside from sport and physical activity. Um, so that was a, a main takeaway, but then we came a month later and there was some discussion, but it was um, kind of a time for them. They had a, a month of homework exercises to do too. And so we did a, a, an end of intervention survey and they were able to recall what exercises they were doing over the month. Um, but it was just really common that they felt um, so much more calm and compassionate towards themselves and they were able to potentially see themselves re-enrolling. Um, it didn't necessarily show, there wasn't a lot of significance in our effectiveness of the actual study, but it was quite um, brief and it was also just a pilot study. So it was expected that maybe results wouldn't be pronounced as if it was a longer term intervention or even just using different instruments to measure the constructs. But we did see a lot of benefit just from the qualitative support of the intervention. So I think it's something that needs to continue to be done in the adolescent space because there is a lot of body image interventions with women and self-compassion, but not necessarily with younger girls. So something to uh, something to take forward for sure. This is the real challenge, isn't it? That we've got some sufficient research indicating like the associations between higher levels of self-compassion and the more adaptive body image measurements like body appreciation and so on. But then it's about, okay, well, how do we actually cultivate self-compassion then in order to reduce the body shame, increase appreciation and so on. And that's when it can be very challenging because some of these compassion studies that I've seen in the body image world have like lower um, adherence rates as well. You know, some of the, the forms that include more of like the meditations like people aren't really, they don't really enjoy those as much or they have some resistance to completing some of the exercises, which is such a shame when we, you know, do see the, the benefits once, you know, the adherence is there. Um, so I wonder what the intervention in terms of the workshop, what kind of exercises did that include? Yeah, so uh, there was a ton of exercises that I wanted to include. So we ended up narrowing it down, but I did include a lot of additional exercises. They were all um, comprised of 
Germer, Neff, and Bluff, um, they all have different manuals out. So I, I took exercises from there and added a lot of them into the homework manual. So I was able to include um, different writing practices, meditation, even more informal, like self-compassion mantras um, that they could use to guide through their day. But the actual workshop itself, we started with a grounding practice, which was five minutes. So I just took them through a brief like meditation grounding practice. Um, and then we went through just a discussion on experiences um, that they felt were prevalent in the physical education environment that were stressful and may have caused some body-related distress, just any negative experiences that they could recall as a group. And then we went through a self-compassionate writing practice. So they had 10 to 15 minutes to recall this actual distressing experience. And then I guided them through different steps on how they could bring about their compassionate self. Um, so we went through mindfulness, common humanity, and self-kindness. So different, different ways of practicing each of those three different faucets of self-compassion. And then we ended up kind of taking it in all together and we ended up writing a group letter contract, which was sort of the same as the self-compassionate writing exercise but it was as a group um, and we did this on a bristol board and so that was to kind of help create a more compassionate environment together and so they could bring about all of their experiences and put it into a letter and it was just titled dear grade nine self or dear grade 10 self and then they were instructed that they could also leave this letter in the gym so that over the course of the month if they needed to come back to it they could remind themselves of what was sort of brought about there and then we also did do self-compassion mantra work too so i had given them ideas of what they could use to guide them through the session or any times um, throughout the month that they were feeling distressed they could bring this mantra um, and then i also gave them the opportunity to create their own self-compassion mantra so it was brief we only had 60 minutes but we were able to complete all of the exercises so that was that was great this is the real question as well isn't it it's like what is like the minimum effective dose to see some of these beneficial outcomes because the easier the intervention is to deliver the likelihood is that it's also easier to scale you know in the sense that helping as many people as possible in the best ways that we can and it's difficult i think when it comes to compassion because there are so many different models of compassion as well like you mentioned you've got neff and germa's model but you've also got paul gilbert's model and although similar there may be some differences as well and it's like we need a, a component analysis to understand which of the exercises have the the best you know return in terms of going through and seeing these changes and then as you say modifying that to different environments and, and different people, different ages, different genders. There's so many different factors that um, come into play, which is why it's so challenging to find these results. So I wonder, given the outcome of the study, what you would like to see sort of happen next? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I definitely want to see it continue further, whether it be the same workshop i i don't know i think you know with the feedback i think i would like to try it at a younger age that was the main the main feedback source of you know in grade four grade five when they're starting to notice some of these changes you know whether it be there i think in in a perfect world just 
having, you know, that happen in grade four, or grade five, and then check up in like seven years and see sort of if, if anything has um, come about there or if it's helped cultivate even more compassion levels. But studies like that obviously take a lot of, of time, but I definitely think in the future, I'd love to work towards that. And just even integration, like the physical education space seems to be great for um, incorporating self-compassion, just even other body image, psychoeducation practices, um, because physical education is, you know, they do have health health lessons um, that kind of offset their actual movement practices in the gym. So it does seem to be a good space for that. And just adherence wise, you know, the girls have to come to class. There was some troubles. One of the studies happened after March break that Monday. So, you know, obviously there are going to be absences here and there, but I think the physical education space does seem to be a promising environment for this to take place. And you know, whether potentially it could be incorporated into the curriculum and we see, you know, maybe four or five workshops. Yes, definitely something later down the road that I want to keep working towards. You are a coach who would like to learn evidence-based tools to support your clients with their body image, then you can check out the Body Image Fundamentals course, link will be in the description, and you can use the code PODCAST10 for 10% off your purchase. Well, it's great to hear that you do have health classes, um, because I'm pretty sure that was never a part of my education, so I don't know if that's just a Canadian thing, but it does seem like the ideal place to begin educating the students on, you know, just body image constructs and generating some awareness around perhaps how their own body image is showing up in their lives, Um, because I do think that the psychoeducation in and of itself, even if you don't intervene beyond that, can be far more helpful than not having the psychoeducation at all. And um, I wonder whether we'd see a similar thing for self-compassion as well, because there are so many misconceptions around what it is. And, you know, people hear kindness and they're like, "Mm, nope, that's not for me. And it really turns off the people who would probably benefit from it the most. So I wonder if you have any advice for someone who maybe is struggling with feeling a little bit of shame around their body. And what would you advise them? Self-compassion 100% is, you know, it's shown to alleviate levels of shame, but also shame can be so deeply rooted that it it takes it takes practice and it takes time. And I think it's one of those things that is still still being researched and, you know, we're still trying to um, do intervention work for, you know, shame and, and guilt and envy and embarrassment, all of these self-conscious emotions that come up in different movement spaces. It comes back to, I think, the education system, you know, I think if we're able to have self-compassion or this body image psychoeducation embedded, then I think the emotions surrounding the shame that girls are feeling towards their bodies would just be better alleviated if self-compassion was a practice that could be learned early on. But I think now, you know, it's more, it will be, or it has been, these interventions are more treatment based as the girls are getting older and, you know, women, it has, these interventions have mostly been done with women. So women who do have higher levels of shame, self-compassion does seem to buffer their relationship. But I guess now it's at the point where girls or women have to be 
looking for self-compassion interventions or self-compassion workshops or websites like yours or having, you know, personal trainers who may be more aware of this and help guide them through these experiences. But then we do also see that girls who just inherently have higher levels of self-compassion are able to kind of buffer out shame better than girls who just inherently have lower levels of self-compassion. So I think we're at this point where we do see that these self-conscious emotions, there's so many downstream effects that they have on one's health. And so I think it's at this stage where it needs to be out there and there needs to be more awareness towards these coping strategies that women and girls can use to deal with this moving forward yeah i completely agree with you because what we tend to see would be like people become aware of self-compassion later on in life and there's that initial resistance to it where it's like oh i don't need that that's not for me and then with sort of increased awareness and knowledge about what it actually is and what it truly does for us there seems to be sort of more of a motivation to learn a little bit more about it and to begin seeking out some of these practices but as you're saying well if we're thinking about prevention and the prevention of a significant amount of distress and harm then it would be helpful to have earlier exposure to some of these constructs now i wonder as well whether it would be worthwhile to investigate learning and developing self-compassion outside of the context of physical activity because some conversations that i had with my supervisor i'm a compassionate mind training um, facilitator and it's an eight-week program this is based on the work of paul gilbert and we spoke about well should i adapt this for eating and body image concerns or just leave it as as is because what we do see sometimes is that if we jump straight into some of the most significant causes of distress you know such as talking about body image then that can activate the threat system before they've developed the skill of self compassion which can further turn people off from continuing on that path so i wonder whether that was something worthwhile investigating as well what about if we just developed general self-compassion um, and then measured okay they've got the levels and then took it into the physical activity environment to help them to cultivate the skill and then apply the skill where they really need it i wonder if you have any thoughts on on that no, I, I totally, totally agree. And it's, it's cool because the girls in the focus group, they ended up actually bringing this up and being like, this would be so cool if I could be more compassionate during math class. And it was awesome when I was going through sort of the analyses of, of how I was putting together my paper, I was looking more into this work and in the adolescent range, um, I think Zuroff and colleagues had a recent paper out and they looked at eight different domains. So there was like school relationships, physical activity. Um, I don't, I don't remember the other ones, but it didn't seem self-compassion didn't seem to be consistent across all domains, but there hasn't been a lot of work done in this area. And especially in the adolescent age range. And I, I think even in, in adults also. So I think it's something that needs to be furthered for sure, because I think once you can take a, a full self-compassionate approach, you know, in in one aspect of your day-to-day -day life, um, I can see it being transferable in other aspects also. And, you know, girls that are higher or have higher levels of self-compassion also have higher levels of body appreciation and you know that can manifest into so many other things too so i think um it's definitely important that 
we focus outside of physical activity and and sport um, as well because there's so many benefits to self-compassion and we see it even just with overall wellness and yeah I completely agree with you there I think self-compassion and you know just a positive body image in general can be really synergistic like they go hand in hand but as you say actually the impact that that has on someone's health well-being and quality of life are very like can be very dramatic when you think about how many areas of our life that applies to because when it comes to compassion what we're really talking about is dealing with difficulties well i can have difficulties yes in relation to how i feel about my appearance but also so many different areas of my life when i struggle and given that we are going to be you know exposed to body image threats it's likely that our environment you know i'm seeing some changes in the fitness industry which is great but there are also still so many body image threats in our environment day to day that probably are going to take a lot longer to shift that it makes sense to cultivate these strengths within ourselves so that we can be more resilient and more critical of some of the things that we're exposed to in your opinion what would be some key areas that need further research regarding the self-conscious emotions of body image and physical activity I think mainly the intervention research. We have a better idea now of self-conscious emotions and, you know, the downstream effects and and when and and where these emotions may be arising for for girls and boys and adolescents and and adults. I think now it's how can we take this research and help you know, those who have lower levels or higher levels of shame and, and guilt and embarrassment and envy towards physical activity and how can we move this forward now knowing, you know, these effects? What can we do to help buffer those effects so we can just have a more positive and uplifting environment and experiences for everyone? Yeah, I think that really is the key is now seeing it implemented in practice. And I can think of like so many ways that that could possibly be achieved that you said with the psychoeducation, but also knowing how important the group component is, you know, having maybe some time at the end of a phys ed class and talking about your experience of movement and how that feels in the body and maybe encouraging the students to think about the ongoing like benefits of having you know regular physical activity and maybe even giving them a space to discuss things that they don't like and you know concerns that they do have there's so many ways that we could make some just small changes that likely have very large downstream effects and i'm glad that you're interested in the prevention side of things as well like if we just get in early you know at these critical years where young girls are developing becoming more self-conscious more self-aware if we help them to cultivate some of these strengths at an early age you know imagine the amount of distress that you could potentially be preventing well that yeah exactly and i think also we do see, you know, physical activity has so many benefits, you know, physical, psychological, um, socially, um, even like academically. And I think just the conversation needs to change. And I think it is changing and it has to change into the way of where people can find what they enjoy and what they like, because that's what's going to be sustainable. And I think 
I think things are moving towards that that way, but I think there needs to be more conversation around just finding what works for you and what you enjoy and what you love to do because that's what's going to keep you going and that's what's going to be sustainable long term so that you know you can reap the benefits that physical activity does have. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that has to continue to grow, grow too, and just have the appearance out of it and it more just be around just the appreciation for the way that your body is moving and the way that you can do these exercises and and enjoy it while you're doing it yeah i'd agree and i think it's such a shame how you know people maybe avoid physical activity because they don't feel good in their body but then the avoidance of the physical activity is likely to make that worse and it becomes like you know quicksand yeah yeah exactly and it can be very difficult to break and i think developing compassion for yourself and your struggles can help you to take those steps that may be uncomfortable um, but would lead you towards a higher appreciation for your body and maybe even some increased satisfaction as well but as you say also just the physical mental and social benefits of engaging in regular movement in a way that is enjoyable and sustainable for you um so thank you so much for coming on the podcast today Day and talking more about your research and if any of the listeners are interested in learning more about what you do where would be the best place for them to go I think best email right now I do have a Twitter but I need to get I need to get more on it and that's my goal this summer is to be be more active on my Twitter and share everything that I'm up to. I'd also recommend in general checking out the Body Image Health and Research Lab um, social accounts as well because they regularly post about um, research findings and what they're up to so you can follow along there as well. Thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for listening to the Consilience podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Please do share it with someone who will find it helpful and don't forget to leave a five-star rating and quick review. The topics I speak about aren't particularly trendy or sexy, so this makes a huge difference. And don't forget to join the Empowered Edit, a weekly newsletter with evidence-based tools and strategies to help you build your health and confidence. You will get first access to everything that's going on and insights that I don't share anywhere else. The link will be in the show notes. And until then, I will catch you in the next episode.